As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Howdy, everyone. Arthur Staple here. Welcome back to the Garden Faithful, your Rangers podcast from The Athletic. Got a jam-packed show today. We're going to start off with uh, a look back at some of the games from this past week, and then we're going to be joined by Ken Weeb from Sportsnet up in Winnipeg, talking about Andrew, the Andrew Kopp trade, talking about a potential Mark Shifley move from out of Winnipeg and whether he's a fit with the Rangers, maybe even a little Jacob Truba talk. There's been a lot of Ranger-Winnipeg connections over the last few years. And then the last segment, a little bit of a look ahead to what's going on this week, starting with the Penguins tonight. Uh, my man Chris Flannery will jump in, and we'll uh, we'll chop it up and and see what we can come up with. Uh, but first, just a quick look back. A um, couple good wins in the last week. Uh, you know, the kind of that Tuesday game in New Jersey was a bit of a gong show. Uh, you know, not totally unexpected when you're trying to throw a bunch of new guys into the lineup, and it was all three of the guys that had been traded for on Monday. Uh, Tyler Mott, Andrew Kopp, Justin Braun all played in that game. Two quick goals right off the hop, uh, you know, in the first period. It looked like it was going to be an easy night against the Devils. But the Devils, you know, as we talked about uh, last week, they're playing free and easy. The season's over for them. Um, kind of how kind of how Buffalo's been playing, too. Just, uh, you know, not getting away from their structure entirely, but just kind of not worrying about a lot of a lot of detailed situations. There's not a lot of tension with a team that's that far out of it. Um, and the Devils came storming back, and boy, the Rangers looked bad in that second period and a lot of the third period uh in jersey so you know throw that one in the garbage uh justin braun goes out brayden schneider comes back in for friday penguins are the ones who look terrible uh on friday three nothing for the rangers after i think it was less than five minutes um penguins are never in it and it was uh it was a nice performance by the rangers a good bounce back and then sunday a little kind of a mixed bag of the you know a little bit of the previous two Another quick 2 nothing lead, two goals from Frank Vetrano in, uh, I think it was 18 seconds in the first period. Sabres come back, uh, take the lead, Rangers tie it. Rangers take the lead, Sabres tie it, and then Keandre Miller in overtime. Uh, and then now tonight in Pittsburgh, first of a back-to-back, 
Penguins is obviously a much more important game than tomorrow in Detroit. Uh, Igor Shesterkin goes tonight in Pittsburgh. Alexander Georgiev for sure tomorrow in Detroit. And then Friday, the Islanders come back to the Garden. Uh, and a couple weeks ago, the Islanders probably felt like they still had a little bit of a glimmer of hope uh, for the season with that 2-1 win they had at the Garden. That was a you know a pretty entertaining game. Um, but in those two weeks, Islanders have faltered a little bit. They're pretty much dead in the water now. I think they've got probably less than a 1% chance to make the playoffs. Uh, Ilya Sorokin's out now. Um, so that Friday game could feel like a little bit more of a trap game for the Rangers, but uh, maybe coming off of the game in Detroit on Wednesday, and Detroit's another team that's that's also completely out of it. It's it's such a you know a funny time to play these teams out of the playoffs, and certainly the Rangers have been like we talked about last week. The Rangers have been on the other side of this for the last couple of years, where they're out of it and they're the ones playing, trying to play spoiler to not even playoff hopes, but just playoff positioning, and and you can get a little complacent. Um, but I think that what we saw from the Rangers this week and, and, you know, Gerard Gallant is still trying to tinker. And I think that, you know, the luxury of being in the position that they're in is you can tinker pretty much right up to April 29th, um, in terms of lines, Ryan Strom's out tonight, probably be out tomorrow since he didn't skate at all today, but, um, doesn't seem like his injury from Sunday is too, too bad. And, you know, there's, there's some line shuffling going on. He's going to have Andrew Kopp playing in the middle on that second line to start tonight alongside Artemi Panarin. Um, we're going to have Ken Weebon, like we said, from from Sports and Up in Winnipeg to talk about Cop and his versatility. I don't think we saw at the end of the game uh, when Strom went out after the first period on Sunday, we didn't really see a good connection between Cop and Panarin, and I'm not totally sold that that's a pairing that's going to work long-term. Um, you know, Cop is a is a guy who does have some skill and can produce, but... Uh, but it takes a certain kind of guy to, to play with Panarin. And like I said, we'll talk with Ken Weave about that. I'll talk with Chris Flanner in our last segment about that, what the ideal situation is in that second line going forward. Um, so it's going to be Panarin, Kopp, and Dryden Hunt on the second line tonight. Uh, I think the third line is staying intact. That's Alexi Lafreniere, Philip Heedle, and Barkley Goodrow, which uh, at least the lafreniere Heedle connection has been very good the last couple of games. Frank Vitrano. Uh, fitting pretty well with with Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider on the top line. Ryan Reeves comes back in with Strom out. I believe it's Mott, Johnny Brodzinski, and Reeves uh, on the third line, and and the D pairs stay the same. Braden Schneider, I think, coming back in has looked really good the last two games. Um, you know, Justin Braun, I, I don't know that you're going to see him play a ton, and I don't know that that's a real issue. We can debate a lot whether the Rangers should have gotten a righty versus a lefty, and and I still feel before the deadline. Uh, that a lefty was the priority because Patrick Nemeth is the guy that you probably are going to be feeling a little bit iffy about in come playoff time and not Schneider. Um, but they went out and got a righty, and they got a righty in Justin Braun, who doesn't really play the left side, even though he's willing to. Um, I don't know that that's an experiment that Kalan is going to want to try, uh, you know, either even down the stretch, maybe for a game, certainly not so much in the playoffs where you're just going to throw a 35-year-old guy who rarely plays the left side in there against the Pittsburgh or Carolina, whoever. Um, Schneider, I think, can play the left, um, but also hasn't done it a whole lot. Um, so it's uh, I, I'd be curious to see what's going to happen with that third pair, even though, you know, it, it's, it could be a problem, but uh, in general, the top four has been steadying out well enough that, um, you know, you can limit your mistakes with those guys. And, uh, you know, I thought Alexander Georgiev playing on Sunday, um, not great. You know, gave up a couple of real bad ones in the second period. The the one 
power move by Kyle Opozo where he seemed to kind of just freeze a little bit in the net and the puck skittered under him. Um, not a good goal. And, uh, I, you know, I, I think the fact that they can win those games, even when they give up four goals and it's not, wasn't all on Georgiev, but, um, but those are the kind of games where if you've got your top goalie in there, um, he's, he's making some saves to wake your team up. And, uh, and when you give up the goals and, and guys aren't really paying attention to detail, you get a little bit of what you, what you saw, which is the Rangers kind of having to rescue themselves to, to beat a team that's playing well, but certainly is uh, beatable when the Rangers need some points. So, um, you know, like I said, kind of a mixed bag, two in one week. Um, this week should be pretty similar. And like, you know, we didn't even get to the end of the week with the Flyers come in and it's another team that's, that's headed for the lottery, uh, sold off Claude Giroux, their best one of, you know, one of the best players in franchise history. So, um, there's a lot of pitfalls, I think, awaiting them after tonight. And uh, tonight, uh, with Shesterkin back in there, I think is kind of going to be their focus. So, you know, if they pull out a pull out two points tonight and are able to leapfrog the Penguins into second, um, I wouldn't be too surprised to see the rest of the week where they might have a, a bit of a misstep against in three games against teams that are out of it at, that have nothing to lose and. And, uh, you know, you see it a lot and probably see it again when the Rangers uh, stumble a bit against the bad team and uh, and uh, maybe hand away a point or two that they shouldn't. Welcome back to the show. And we're very happy for our middle segment here to have a guest, a good friend of mine, uh, works for Sportsnet, does some TV, does some podcasting with his good friend Sean Reynolds up there and does lots of writing on Sportsnet.ca about the Winnipeg Jets. Ken Weeb. Ken, welcome to the show. Arthur, great to be with you. Uh, how you doing today, my friend? Oh, I'm doing great. Uh, and the Jets and the Rangers uh, have been intertwined for a while now, and we're going to dig into their trade from a few years ago, uh, the Jacob Trubin neil Pionk trade that uh, is seemingly helping the Rangers right now more than the Jets. But uh, to kick it off, since the big trade of the trade deadline was also between these two teams, um, Andrew Kopp, you know, it was a, it was a Pretty steep price to pay, but Andrew Kopp was a guy that was in demand. And and from the Winnipeg side, Ken, uh, what can you tell us about Andrew Kopp the last few years and his development and his growth and and why he ended up being traded on Monday? Yeah, Arthur, uh, Andrew's uh, one of the most kind of underappreciated players in the NHL for me. I mean, we always hear that term about guys who maybe are appreciated in their market, but not as much elsewhere. (laughs) To me, not a lot of guys... uh, available that were playing 21 minutes a night, playing on the second power place, playing on the top penalty killing unit, and then has the ability to play center or wing uh, on any of your top three lines. So uh, his game has really developed, Arthur, over the years, and just an outstanding human being, incredibly hard worker. The guy's had to earn every single thing that he's had during his career, dating back to his time as you know a junior, a great high school football quarterback, Went to the U.S. National Development Program, uh, walk-on at Michigan, became their captain two years later. Just an outstanding human being and a really hard worker that has some skill as well. I mean, that's the underappreciated part of his game. He's a guy that can score at a pretty good clip. Not a natural finisher, maybe, but a guy that gets a lot of chances and is incredibly smart and dependable at both ends. With his, you know, his numbers kind of going up the last couple of years, was that a function of more what was going on around him with the Jets, or, or did he kind of... You know, like you said, did he earn his way up the depth chart from being more of a third, fourth line guy to maybe being a guy you could trust with more top six minutes, like you said, second power play, not just being the guy that's gonna that's gonna grind it out and and uh, you know uh, look like a, a you know a curling 
broom out there you know, around the net. He seems like he's he's developed his game, and that's you know, and talking to people like Jacob Truba, talking to people like like Andrew Cop's dad, Andy, who was his who was the coach for Cop and Truba when they were kids uh, back in Detroit. Um, it seems like he's got skill, but it's it's been more of a you know the hardworking will type player as opposed to a guy who's naturally gifted yeah incredibly hard worker and i guess the thing that i should say is is hockey i mean we always hear about hockey iq his hockey intelligence is off the charts which which is what allows him to play with skilled players his ability to anticipate uh both what you know where to go and what his line mates are going to be doing uh was something that really was evident as well uh, you know knows knows when to go to the right spots and that and that's something where for him I know he has worked really hard in the last couple of years with Adam Oates on the skill development side and I mean as a player he he's a guy who always had a ton of chances but um yeah I mean earlier in his career he wasn't finishing those chances at the same rate so I mean that he's something it's really he's really worked hard on that part of his game for sure but again it's his hockey smarts and intelligence that really helps him uh, on those fronts for sure and again I think this is a guy that can give you 20 goals um you know, as an NHL regular, for sure. Um, yeah, and he hasn't hit that rate yet, but his offensive production has been on the rise. And he's also the kind of guy, Arthur, you know this, at the deadline, <laughs> it's usually the guys that prevent the goals that have right. the biggest impact on the playoffs. So for me, Andrew's the kind of guy, you, you, as a coach, you know, if you're Gerard Gallant, you, you are incredibly thrilled to add Andrew Kopp because you know that if you're protecting one of those one-goal leads that Igor Shesterkin has provided your team with, uh, you can feel confident knowing that he can handle all of his assignments and isn't, you know, he isn't a guy that cheats for offense, uh, even when things aren't going well. So for me, and this is one of those things, Arthur, where it's maybe not the marquee addition, but I think Andrew Kopp is one of the you know best players available. And I think he could have one of the biggest impacts uh, in the playoffs because his game kind of elevates as the situation, uh, you know, gets tougher as well for me. I mean, uh, great leader. I think he'll fit seamlessly. I mean, obviously he's got two two buddies in there for sure and Tyler Mott and Jacob Truba, but this is a guy that is sort of the old Swiss army knife. You can play him anywhere. You can play him at center. You can play him on the wing. You can pretty much ask him to do the job in any situation. He can get the job done. So, and he's a highly motivated player, right? I mean, this guy going into his UFA year, I mean, whether it's staying with the Rangers or, uh, you know, um, auditioning for your next employer, uh, this is a guy that is incredibly determined to win. Uh, he had invested a lot in this organization and, and Arthur, he was very disappointed last summer when the Jets, you know, wouldn't go and find, uh, you know, find a way to get the long-term deal done. And in one of his last availabilities, he brought up the fact that here's a guy that was looking for houses in a market where it's historically been difficult to get people to commit. And, you know, strangely enough, in the parallel universe we live in, uh, the Jets chose to extend Neil Pionk on that long-term deal, uh, not instead of Andrew Kopp, but, you know, that essentially with, with, the, with the piece of the pie that they had left over, Right. Andrew knew that after Neil Pionk signed, uh, there wasn't going to be enough for him. And, you know, maybe they could revisit in this offseason. But, uh, I mean, you know, that basically was their chance to sign him was last summer. Uh, here's a guy that went through the arbitration process. He took a series of shorter term deals betting on himself. And uh, ultimately, there would have been some disappointment uh, evident there, too, when he was traded, but also excitement about the opportunity. And I think it's just the Rangers. We know the Rangers had been scouting the Jets quite closely during the you know the weeks leading up to the run, and it was not a surprise to see them uh, get the deal done. And I think he's going to just be a fantastic fit for the for the Rangers here. And you mentioned the the future. You know, I, uh, talking to to Andy Cop, Andrew's dad. That that you know when when Pionk signed, that was kind of the the nail in the coffin for him as far as his future was there. And um, 
to his credit, you know, you know, he's obviously disappointed, but uh, putting up career year numbers too, and and that's you know a credit to him to not not be bummed out by the by the prospect of pretty much assuredly being moved. What um, what do you think it would take to sign him? I mean, the Rangers, you know, I think Ranger fans feel like this is a guy that would fit well. I'm sure Chris Jury feels like this is a guy that would fit well long term. They have serious budget issues coming this offseason, and it's really going to be a choice between signing Ryan Strom. Uh, to a you know a, a mid-range four or five year deal for you know somewhere between five and a half six million whatever they can get him for or letting Ryan Strom walk and trying to piece together the the middle of their middle six um you know what do you think Andrew Cop I mean is what he, what he was looking for maybe from the Jets what do you think is something that uh, would be fair for him I know I'm putting you on the spot here but um you know, from what you know of him and what you know of the team, where where were they at all? If if there were any conversations, yeah, for sure, Arthur. I, I like I like it when you put me on the spot. It's why we're <laughs> friends. I think part of the reason. So I think Andrew would be looking for somewhere between four and a half and five and a half. I would say you know Zach Hyman would probably be the ceiling. Uh, we know the Jared McCann deal would be you know in that five million dollar range would be something that uh, Kurt Overhart would be looking at. Uh, if he finds a fit, uh, you know, that works for him, uh, you know, again, the thing about Andrew Arthur is that, you know, he could slide into that second line center role as well, right? That's always been the debate. Is he best served at, you know, his natural position is center. Uh, he's been some of his most productive seasons have been when he's played at center. So, uh, I mean, if they did go that route, uh, I think they might be able to get him for a little bit, you know, definitely under the $6 million figure that you mentioned regarding Strom. Um, again, a, a very good player, solid and, you know, Oddly enough, early on, and when we got to know each other, Arthur Ryan Strom was the guy I was on the bus with in St. Paul on one of those draft day uh, <laughs> marathons on that Thursday. So uh, I have a lot of respect for him as a as a person and as a player and how he's developed. But yeah, I would say that it's in that range, and it would depend on years. And for me, Arthur, the, the fascinating part about Cop, I think he would like the stability. I think uh, does that mean you have to go to seven or eight years? I don't. I don't know. I think he would like the stability of a five year deal and. Andrew's a guy who's been heavily involved, uh, you know, in the NHLPA process when it came uh, to return to play and uh, things of that nature. He's a guy who's been involved. Uh, he studies the process. He's an incredibly smart guy. So, you know, but after taking a series of shorter term deals, I think he's looking for a little bit more stability. Now, would that mean he take, I'm not saying a hometown discount would be uh, in the offing uh, uh, in quote unquote, I mean, hometown for him, we know is Ann Arbor, but uh there'll be lots of interest in Andrew Kopp, but again, it always, it, it'll always ultimately come down to, to what he's looking for and, and how the team views him. Because I mean, this is a, a outstanding middle six player, but you know, as you've been seeing here, he has the smarts to play with an Artemi Panarin. So, I mean, you, you, everyone thinks that that's an easy job, but uh, uh, it's not an easy job for some. And Andrew's the kind of guy that could fill that kind of role long-term. Uh, you know, again, you see the guy that's looking at, you know, maximizing his dollar value, of course, but this is a guy who values winning and, I could see him fitting in long-term in New York as well, as long as the dollars and cents uh, work out on the AAV and the term side of things. Well, aside from COP, which is, you know, the the COP or Strom debate may linger depending on what happens here down the stretch and into the playoffs. Um, The pie in the sky view of the Rangers is that if Strom decides that he wants to go elsewhere, that Chris Drury has the assets to swing a deal for a number two center, um, I get a lot of suggestions about Dylan Larkin, who's not a number two center. I get a lot of suggestions about a guy up your way in Mark Shifley, who seems like <laughs> he might he might not be uh, in the long-term plans of the Jets. Now, again, he's a number one center. The Rangers have a number one center in Mika Zibanejad, who's playing great and not going anywhere. Um, 
you know Mark well. You've covered him since his career started. Uh, is this a situation that is starting to become untenable in Winnipeg? And do you see him being willing to go to a place? I mean, you know, trades are different than, than signing, and he's got a couple years left on his deal. But, um, you know, is the idea of not necessarily being a number one center uh, appealing to him if he were to move on? Yeah, it's interesting, Arthur. I mean, for me, the biggest decision the Jets will have this offseason is, is what's happening with Mark Shifley. And I mean, it sounds like he still wants to be around here. But I mean, this has been a strange season for Mark. And there have been times where his engagement level has been low. I mean, we also understand that, you know, things in Canada, I mean, the global pandemic has been horrendous around the world. But with the restrictions in Canada the last couple of years, they've been a little tighter than than, uh, than down south of the border. So, uh, you never know exactly what's going on in, in someone's life, especially when, you know, the room has not been open to us, Arthur, for, for two years in a lot Very of places. True. So um, you don't get to have those casual conversations with folks uh, as often as we would like. But uh, I think the other thing about Mark, it had been, the season had been a struggle, especially until the All-Star break. But, I mean, he's come out firing. I think I was, you know, crunching the numbers, not only about the numbers, but here's a guy who I think he has 16 goals and 33 points in his last, you know, 20-something games since the break. So, um, I mean, that kind of production is hard to find. So if you're going to move a player of that stature and magnitude, uh, you better be getting, you know, a lot of assets in return. I mean, if Lafreniere wasn't available uh, in the Andrew Kopp deal, I don't, you know, would he be available for Mark Schleifley? I don't know. Again, we don't want to get the uh, Rangers masses up in arms here. But um, for me, you know, if you'd asked me two weeks ago, if Schleifley would be moved. And I know we discussed this a little bit uh Privately, I would have said it was likely. Now, you know, suddenly two weeks later, Mark's had the stretch where the team's now on a run of 10 4 and 1, and they're only, you know, a few points out of a playoff spot, and he's been right in the middle of it. Now, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to waffle, but I would say it's less likely than it would have been maybe a month ago uh, that he would be on the move. Now, having said that, I, I don't think he, you know, part of, the, part of the issue here is that with the emergence of Pierre Luc Dubois, I wouldn't call Mark Shifley demoted to the number two center role, but it's more of a one A and B situation. So, I mean, I don't think he would, would be fired up about, you know, this is a guy who loves, you know, he's a 22 to 24 minute a game player. Uh, I don't know that he would love a supporting role. Uh, you know, you know, Mika Zabinijad's doing an awesome job. It is the number one center there. I mean, could he be fired up about the prospect of winning a cup? I mean, yes, but uh, I don't, I don't know that he's looking for a reduction in role, Arthur. So. To me, I think the, the I and mean, again, Rangers fans are going to hate this, and I apologize in advance. But to me, a much better fit on the trade market is the Philadelphia Flyers, where you have a, a GM and Chuck Fletcher who would have seen Mark play his best hockey of his career um, against their franchise at times during that 2018 playoff run, where they dispatched the uh, you know the Minnesota Wild in, in five games in the opening round. So. Uh, what you, I, what I would see is you know if the Jets fail to make the playoffs, you have a you have a more likely fit with a team that's looking for a, a you know a atomic bomb type of change uh, um, in the Flyers that are trying to be competitive right away. And whereas the Jets maybe would have some interesting guys like Ivan Provorov and maybe Travis Konechny who had they been linked to in the past before. But I mean again, you can never rule out anything, and uh, you know we'll give the Ranger fans a glimmer of hope. I think there there would be a potential fit there, but. Uh, I, I don't think it's likely, um, though I do think it's possible he's still on the move. But again, I think the the, the story of Mark Schleifer will be authored during these final 15 games of the year. And, you know, if he continues this torrid pace, uh, I think Kevin Sheveldale will think uh, long and hard before he, he makes a deal of, uh, of any kind uh, involving <laughs> the first ever draft pick of this franchise, seventh overall in that 2011 NHL draft. 
Well, we do know the teams love to trade, so uh, we do have to keep that one on the back burner, but it'll definitely be interesting to see how that finishes up, whether the Rangers have an appetite to make a seismic move like that, and we didn't really even mention him, but Braden Schneider, who was pretty much the the, imp- you know, the, the um, impediment to a, a JT Miller deal that the Rangers had been kind of trying to work on for a while, I would assume being uh, a kid who played in Brandon in the Western League, that Schneider would have to be part of, part of any package for Shifley, so... We'll see if the Rangers really even have an appetite to do that, even though, obviously, like you said, adding Shifley would be a major, major move. So um, this has been great stuff, as always, my friend. Uh, Ken Weeb from Sportsnet up in Winnipeg giving us the lowdown on Andrew Kopp, the lowdown on Mark Shifley. And uh, if there's another Ranger Winnipeg trade in the offing, we'll have you back on to discuss that. Thanks, my friend. Always a pleasure, Arthur. Uh, sorry, I went so long-winded that we didn't even get uh, into the excellent season Jacob Trube is having. But uh, Ranger fans, I, I know they're they're happier than they were initially. This is a guy who, a uh, you know, great two-way player, incredible physical force, and kind of a bit of a throwback. And I understand they thought, you know, that they were getting they're not they didn't get the fifty-point version of Jacob Truba, but I think Truba is uh, so much more comfortable now, Arthur, in that role, in that shutdown role, and he's such a good leader. I mean, I, I could see that guy's future captain material for the New York Rangers. There's no doubt about that. Awesome. Thanks, my friend. Have a great day. Thanks for having me. All right, we're back. Uh, thanks again to Ken Weeb from Sportsnet to uh, educate us on what, on Andrew Kopp a little bit and his time in Winnipeg and um, Mark Shifley, the potential, uh, you know, another potential trade chip uh, out of Winnipeg, maybe over the uh, over the summer. Uh, Chris Flannery, our producer and Ranger fan extraordinaire, comes in. Chris, what's going on, my man? Uh, you know what? Not too much. Happy to uh, be here to talk a little Rangers with you. Now. You've seen Andrew Kopp play as, an, as a Ranger for three games. Got five points, which yep. good numbers. Didn't look so great uh, jumping in for Ryan Strom, you know, in, in, in second period, I guess, against Buffalo, and and uh, Gerard Gallant had to move Barkley Goodrow in the middle there, and that line got a little bit better. Um, when you think about Andrew Kopp, Ryan Strom, um, you know, I, I I wouldn't be even if they let Strom go and kept Cop. I'm not so sure that Andrew Cop is the perfect guy for Artemi Panarin. Like I, I kind of was saying in the first segment, even and and Ken gave a glowing recommendation for Andrew Cop in any situation, which you know he seems like the kind of guy. I think it was Jacob Truba that said it the other day. He's like he's the kind of guy you want in your room. He's a guy who's never been handed anything. Like he was saying, you know, walked on at Michigan instead of taking a scholarship somewhere else, earned his way into a scholarship fourth round draft pick, uh, you know, kind of moved up from being a fourth line afterthought in Winnipeg to being a guy who played regular middle six. He's on pace for 20 goals this year. So he, you know, he's, he's the kind of guy you want on your team and, 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 you know, the, the high character guy that, that every GM talks about. Ryan Strom's a high character guy too. I don't want to leave him out of it, but if you're looking at saving maybe a million, a million and a half on a five or six year deal cop versus Strom, is it worth it? Uh, if you take away the bread man's favorite center. <laughs> right. Well, that, I mean, that is, I, I think the, the real intangible of the whole thing. I, Cause I don't, I don't think it's an either or with Strom and cop. I don't think you just replace Strom. Like, like you said with cop who absolutely seems like the type of guy that could play, you know, a stretch uh, in it kind of any place the way Goudreau, Goudreau does. Um, and obviously he has a bit more uh, offensive upside, but right. I mean, that, that is the X factor to me where, um, you know, and we've seen it with other guys like Sidney Crosby, where you cut, you put him on a line with a Pascal Dupuis and it, and it works out. You put him with the Chris Kunitz and that's not necessarily what, what people, um, you know, would think would be the case. But when you start talking about these superstar players that have kind of a very unique skill set, which Artemi Panarin certainly does, 
Um, it's not as easy as just, you know, replacing his center. And I, and I think you, people can say what they want about Ryan Strom. He's not, um, you know, he's not the best player in the league, but he's earned his spot, I think, on this Rangers team. He looks great uh, next to Panarin at times, although they've had some issues recently. Um, you know, but he's a high skill guy and he's a character guy. And I think he's he's a leader in that room. And, and you know, I I, I don't think the Rangers should be so quick to dismiss a guy like that. And granted, obviously the, the contract situation is ultimately what is going to determine whether he stays or not. Um, but to me, I don't think Andrew cop is the solution there to, to just figure you can slot him into the, you know, the two C slot and, and everything is going to be fine. Obviously, you know, part of the plan would be for a Philip Heedle to eventually ascend to a position where he could be in a top six, but you know, that doesn't seem like that's going to be the case um, potentially ever, but maybe not next season. Um, so, you know, yeah, it's a, it's a tough situation to me. I think, you know, you try to do what you can to keep uh, Strom. Obviously cop has fit in really well so far. And, uh, you know, he's got the five points through his first three games here, but I, you know, I, I don't think it's as easy as just replacing Strom with, with Andrew cop, especially when, you know, you see, and we'll see it as we go down the stretch and into the playoffs, you want to be, you know, three or four centers deep, but certainly you want to be three centers deep. Um, and you know, you're really, you're kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul there. If you're, if you're getting, uh, getting rid of Strom and then you're just moving cop up, then you're still kind of at a, at a deficit, I think. So, you know, it's not going to be that simple and, and we'll see what, what the deal is with JT Miller as it gets into the off season and, and other moves that the Rangers potentially could make. But yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I don't, I don't think, I don't think cop necessarily just slides in right next to Panarin and everything's going to be fine there. No. And I, and I think uh, to me, you know, now is the time and it seems like Strom is not going to be out very long. So that's, that's fine. If it doesn't go well with cop and Panarin tonight and really it's the penguins. So you're not looking to like blow up the doors open on the offense. You know, it's if the Rangers are going to be in this game, it's going to be tight, low scoring playoff yeah. style. So maybe you're not too upset to have cop there. I'd be curious tomorrow night in Detroit, team that is out of it, that doesn't have a ton of depth. Why wouldn't you try Heedle with Panarin? Because if this guy has a future here, Heedle, I mean, that's a spot that you need to see if he can handle. You know, absolutely, absolutely. He's a, he's yep. a he's a, we know what he is as a third liner. He's a he's a max thirty point guy. He's not a guy that creates a ton for himself. He's playing a lot better lately, but he's still not you know hitting those prolific heights for a guy that you drafted pretty high why not try him with Panarin because if that can have some if there's some chemistry there and you can file that away then you may not be so worried about losing Ryan Storm or spending the extra money to keep him you you could conceivably you know instead of spending five times six or thereabouts for Strom you could spend say six times four and a quarter for Andrew Kopp and you have a guy who's you know who's at 2.3 for another year in Heedle, who's obviously going to be do a big raise, but then, you know, it's the cap here. You got to kick, you kick the can down the road whenever you can. So um, to me, you either try that. And if you don't try it while Strom is out, then I think the writing's on the wall. And maybe this, maybe the, the goal for Chris Drury is to keep Strom, keep Andrew Kopp, and you trade Heedle for, for a young winger and you save your money that way, at least down the road. Um, you know, I, I know that they have more options than just either Ryan Storm or Andrew Kopp as your number two center. And, and I think I agree with you that, uh, that's, you know, you go with the devil, you know, and, and number two centers are so hard to come by. It's such a strange role. And we can talk a little bit about what Ken touched on with Mark Shifley. Like, I think a lot of what it comes down to is Mark Shifley 
maybe he's not the true number one there anymore in Winnipeg with Pierre-Luc Dubois there. But he's the number one center. He's used to getting the most minutes. He's used to getting the prime spot on the power play. PK, if you want to take in all the big face-offs, yada, yada, yada. All the things the number one center does. The Rangers have that guy already. And do you, is Shifley going to be happy playing second fiddle, even if it's playing with Artemi Panarin? Probably not. It, it takes a different kind of temperament. You look around the league and see the teams that have really good center depth. It's, it's because they have a clear number one. You know, you look at a team like Edmonton, where they have two of the best centers in the game. And they can't get out of their own way 40% of the time because they have no they can't afford enough other depth. They've screwed up some of their ability to have their other depth. And I think you get seduced a little bit if when you have such high-end guys. Um, you need, obviously need some support there. And uh, and I think Ryan Strom, to me, is it's not the perfect number two center, but but he's pretty close, especially if you have that kind of chemistry with with Panarin. Yeah, well, that's 100%. And, and it's funny that you said that because obviously, right, everybody in the league would die to have McDavid or Drysaddle on their team. But what do the Oilers really need? They need uh, depth. They need everything guys else. Gonna, yeah, they, <laughs> well, yeah. Okay, yeah, the rhetorical question. But right, but that's the thing. At the deadline, the big acquisitions, you know, the, the guys that teams were really trying to go out and get are, are depth guys. You know, that's what matters in the playoffs when the, you know, the top two lines are going to struggle at times. We see it. It's not just a cakewalk through the playoffs. The skill is not necessarily going to carry you through. They're going to have their moments and they're going to make things happen. They're going to score in the power play. They're going to do all that stuff. But really, when you get into a grinding game and you get to a double overtime, you want the guys like the Andrew Cops and the Tyler Motts and and the, and the Goudros. And those are the guys that you want to throw out there. And that's who's who's really valuable. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think you know that second line center thing is a very legitimate um point that you raise it's not it's not that easy to just go and get a guy who's very comfortable in that spot and strom has flourished in that role and you know when you look around the league who name the other guys that that you think the rangers could go out and get that that really fit really fit in that spot and especially alongside panarin but i agree with you absolutely the rangers should definitely try to slot heedle there because yeah, if he's not in that role, if he's not a top six guy, or if he's not in a top, you know, nine role and really producing in that third, uh, you know, that third line, which he hasn't so far, right? What well, what is his role in this team? So I think you're right. They need to have a look at that and 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 see what goes on because Cop is perfect in the third, and that's a that's a classic Rangers thing too. I feel like they always bring in that third line center. And they try to play him in the top six, and and you know, Cop might not be the guy, but you know, he might be able to do it, but. Leave the third line center on the third line center. Look, look at the Penguins when they were, you know, at their height. They had Crosby, Malkin, Jordan Stahl down the middle. That's incredibly impressive. And the Rangers could. Uh, I'm not comparing, um, you know, Ryan Strom to Evgeny Malkin, but if you could go down the center, um, Zabanajad, Strom, Cop, and then you have Goudreau on that fourth line. You know, that's that's a really formidable uh, four four lines of, of center depth there. So yeah, I, I agree with you for sure. And uh, you know we. I think we mentioned it a little bit with Ken, you know, Braden Schneider, who's looked really good again, coming back in um, after it came out for Justin Braun on Tuesday. Uh, you can see why Chris Drury doesn't want to trade him. And, uh, oh, yeah. you know, and I and I feel like if you're making a move for Mark Shifley to make a big splash down the middle, uh, if, you know, all the pieces fall into place, you know, uh, Braden Schneider played his Western League hockey and Brandon the Manitobans are very, uh, very protective and and caring of their own, and and I think even though um, I don't think Schneider is from Manitoba, but playing in Brandon basically counts as the next best thing. So, right. um, I'm sure that they would want him in any deal, and 
And I, you know, I don't know, you know, for JT Miller, no, but maybe for Mark Shifley, if you feel like you really need it. And I think that would be a mistake because this is, this seems like the guy that's going to keep your right side uh, anchored for a long, long time. You know, the fact that they have Fox long-term, they have Truba long-term, this guy's, you know, he's got two more years on his entry-level deal. Why on earth would you give up that flexibility? And the fact that he seems to be very unfazed by a lot of key situations. You know, I, I really feel like they got to do something about the left side of that third pair, but uh, but he doesn't seem like a guy who, who needs to be going anywhere in and out of the lineup. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I mean, when they and when they played uh, Tampa and Carolina back to back last week or whatever it was, and you know, we said maybe Schneider had a little bit of struggle against those teams. Though, but you know, the Rangers didn't play very well against Carolina at all. Comes out of the lineup, Brown comes in, does not look good, and then Schneider goes right back in. It definitely didn't phase him, and and clearly the team is better when he's in the lineup. I mean, it doesn't seem like there's any argument there and and good on Gerard Gallant for for recognizing that and making that happen uh immediately and getting the kid back in the lineup but right I mean why why would you um trade that kid when you when you could keep your entire right side together for this in, this window of contention that the Rangers are going to have coming up there there's no reason to do that um really no matter who's available and 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 to me with Shifley of course he he's a goal scorer he's a guy that can create offense big you know can play physical a bit but defensively, he really is not a, uh, you know, he's a liability defensively. I mean, that, that's been the MO. And if you look at, uh, you know, the player cards on the athletic, you can go see that. You know, it's, it's, he's trending worse than what the projection was. So, I mean, to me, that, that's not something that you want to add to the lineup. Plus, you, you know, you factor in all these other things. Is he going to want to play behind Zibanejad? You know, they're, they're all the things we've talked about. So, yeah, to me, no, I, I would not include a Braden Schneider uh, really in any deal. But uh, to me, uh, you know, a, a Mark Shifley trade is not is not where you you spend, you know, you spend that capital if if you're going to trade Schneider. But I don't think you should do that anyway. Well, I'm glad we're we're in agreement and we've solved all the Rangers <laughs> yeah. issues here. So. Yeah, we're doing oh. great. <laughs> ah, I like it. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you, Chris. And uh, my thanks again to Ken Weeb from Sportsnet, giving us the lowdown from Winnipeg. I'm Arthur Staple, and thanks for listening to The Garden Faithful. If you're enjoying the show so far, please follow us on your favorite podcast platform and leave a five-star rating and a review. It really helps us grow the show. You can subscribe to The Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts to get all the bonus content from our entire network. Start with a 30-day free trial, then it's just 99 cents a month after that. And right now, you can subscribe to The Athletic for $1 a month for six months when you visit theathletic.com slash TGF. Thanks for listening. Tune in again next week. See you then.